original King James Bible. Uh, and older than that is a leaf from the first edition of the Geneva Bible. So from 1560. So again, if you've never seen these, uh, that's really old to an American because you're kind of new. Uh, but there you go. That's a special treat for those that want to see that. Uh, do not rush the stage while I'm talking or you will be baptized. <laughs> there are a lot of myths about how we got the Bible. Some believe that we were, um, that once upon a time, a group of, of men that seems to have been white, women-hating, homophobic, and power-hungry, met in secret and banned a bunch of books. Then they wrote, forged, or selected the 66 books that make up the Bible. No. But you still get that. You still see it on History Channel every now and then. It just makes you shake your head. But the other myth goes something like this. Once upon a time, a large leather-bound book dropped from heaven with a note in it from the Holy Spirit that said, good luck, and at the risk of my repeating myself, no, no. The church did without a collection of 66 books for hundreds of years. The apostles were dead. Those that received the laying on of hands of the apostles, those were dead. But the Bible wasn't along for, around for a long while. Individual books existed. They are passed around as they were available. But no one church and no one group had all 66 books before the year 300 A.D. The church survived and thrived, even under the worst persecution, for over 250 years without the Bible, because they had the story, and because they shared amongst each other what they knew. Those that believe that the Bible is a legal textbook or a rule book or a map that directs every single aspect of acceptable worship have to struggle to explain how did the church survive without all those rules. I use as an illustration often the Ethiopian eunuch, also known as the queen's treasurer. I would assume he would have preferred us to know him that way as well. Um, he is baptized after hearing one sermon with Philip. Uh, he, then he goes on his way rejoicing. And my response to my question to people is always, why was he rejoicing? And they'll say, well, he was saved. And I go, no, for how long? He didn't know much. He had the book of Isaiah. He didn't know about how to worship on Sunday morning, how to select elders, whether God liked clapping. He didn't know any of this. All the rules that we make. Or could it be he was saved because he knew enough, because he knew Jesus was the Son of God? That troubles some. We have a lot of grace and freedom. Here's what happened, though. As the books circulate, the Romans are not done persecuting the church and vast movements of persecution come against the church and often it, they made it illegal to possess a book of scripture for the the christian faith or for the jewish faith that's why it became really important to figure out what was scripture which books were and which ones and nobody wants to die for a non-scriptural book you, you know, choose the mountain you die from, die on is, is a very important process. Some books were rejected, saying they are important, but they're not scripture. Now, once you think about that in your own life, what books were important to you that are not scripture? 
I think of Viktor Frankl, another um, survivor of the, of the concentration camps. His book, A Man's Search for Meaning, is one of the most powerful books ever written. Only about 100 pages, you need to read it. You need to read it every couple of years. It's like hitting a reset button on your life. Or Eli, Eli uh, Wiesel, I know it looks like Wiesel, but Wiesel, uh, his book, Night, needs to be read. Very important. Would I call these scripture? No. I was, I was touched and changed dramatically when I was going through a period of doubt in my life and ran across or was given two Max Lucado books. God came near, and no wonder they call him the Savior. Those blew my mind and reoriented me. Or the time that I stopped at a wee bookshop on the the banks of the River Ness in Inverness, Scotland, and found a used copy of the book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. And it changed me forever. Are these books scripture? No. Do I hallow them? Yeah. Do we often quote from them? Yes. Or, you know, how about Brother Lawrence, The Practice of the Presence of God? You, you get the point? They had to figure out which of our books we treasure do we die for, and which do we not? And that was a real struggle. They had certain questions. That Was it written by a prophet of God? Remember that prophet didn't mean somebody that could tell the future. It just meant somebody with God's authority who speaks in the public of God and for God. It can apply to women as well as men, and did in the first few centuries. Was the spokesman, whoever it was, confirmed by the Spirit of God somehow. And that, that varied in the way that they answered that one. Does the Bible tell the truth about God? Does it fit with a picture of Scripture? And does it have power? Does it have the power to change our lives? And then the question, what is the history of this book? How did we get it? It's providence. That's really what they went from. They, all, they had big discussions about this. And some books were questioned heavily. Among the Jews... The Jews, many of them rejected the book of Esther because it doesn't even mention the name of God, in case you didn't notice that. They also rejected the book of Solomon because it was way too sexy and hard to explain. They had, um, some of them believed Ezekiel shouldn't be in there because it was too weird. Christians had these same discussions with the Jews and with each other. Uh, they, they treated the Bible uh, books in different ways. Um, if You might even be, I had a man once say, well, you don't even have the same amount of books in your Old Testament as the Jews do. And I'm going, yeah. We have the same words, but we didn't divide them the same. To the Jews, First and Second Samuels and First and Second Kings are one book. We call them four. So it's, it's actually dishonest to say that we have different books. Now, we just count them differently. The Christians boil it down to, does this book help us preserve our faith? Does it address the needs in the church? And so they, they did start gathering to say, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? The earliest list of books that's exactly like our New Testament was given to us by Athanasius in 367 AD. Were you surprised it took them that long? You need to know that. We're not... Let me put it to you another way. When Jesus was about to leave the planet, he did not turn to his apostles and say, 
All power has been given to some books which some of you will later write. He said, all power has been given unto me. Remember that the Bible points us to God, but the Bible itself is not God. That's so important because often Christians treat it as an avatar. Do you know what the word avatar means? To the, to the Muslim, the Quran is an avatar of Allah. If you disrespect the Quran in any way, verbally or by mishandling it, you have blasphemed Allah. That's why when the Washington Post and New York Times falsely said that some of the Marines at Guantanamo had flushed a couple of pages of the Quran down a toilet and people died all over the world because the Muslims rose up and killed them out of this outrage, later it was shown that that never happened. So people died because of the Post and the Times. By the way, they never apologized for that. Or if somebody draws a cartoon of Muhammad, people die. Why? Because their Quran is their avatar. This is Allah. We don't hold up the Bible and say this is God. But a lot of times, I'll even get people to say, my Bible is falling apart. How am I allowed to dispose of it? How do you want to? It's a book with ink on dead trees. It's the words that point us to our God. It's hard, hard to get that. I mean, Americans have a great reverence for their flag, which I actually love. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than that flag forming ceremony and the like. Most countries don't have that, and it may shock you if you're among one of them, and they, they lower their flag, and they're carrying it, dragging it behind them. It's not disrespect, because they didn't do that with the flag. Our flag is almost an avatar of our government, isn't it? If you don't like the government, what do you do? You burn the flag. The Bible is not an avatar. It is a finger that points to God. It is not God. So we knew God. We followed God. We worshiped God. We were the people of God long before we had our Bible. There are some ramifications to that, which I'm going to let sink in. By the way, as early as uh, 115 AD, Polycarp mentioned a couple of the books we call scripture and said they were scripture, but he didn't have the whole list. Justin Martin, uh, Martin, Justin Martyr uh, wrote around 155 AD a description of a Christian worship service where we sat and shared stories and sang some hymns and read some scriptures. But he says the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits, but he didn't give us a list. It was 393 A.D. that councils of gatherings of churches said the 27 books we call the New Testament are revered in all congregations. Since that time, there's been no serious questioning by Roman Catholics, the Orthodox, or Protestants about this books as a rule questioning about whether they should be in or out. There were some books that were really on the edge, like the Shepherd of Hermas or the Didache, which, uh, uh, Didache, rather, which is a wonderful book. These are all online. They're not hidden. It's not like they must not read these. They're available. In fact, every time we're going to do an apocryphal book here, I will give you a link to the book the week before. Did you read it if you want to? They're out there for free. Other books were considered spurious and worthless, like the Gospel of Barnabas, 
that Barnabas didn't write, or the apocalypse of Peter that Peter didn't write. They were rejected. Some of them were awful, like the Gospel of Judas and the Gospel of Thomas. They don't even look or sound like Jesus or God. So they were rejected. But here's where you might be surprised. Um, well, let me first of all tell you that we do have the Bible. A uh, real short story. My dad went to Israel when I was about 15, 16 years old, and we got a call back from him. And I remember we were all shocked when the international operator said, this is an international call I'm about to put through to you, Bill Mead, because my dad didn't call when he was overseas. That cost money, and he's Scottish. So that didn't happen. And we thought something must, terrible must have happened. But in Israel, he had gone to the, to the Museum of the Scroll, the Shrine of the Scroll, and was looking at the copy of Isaiah that had been written well over 100 years before the birth of Christ. And he was in Hebrew, obviously, and he's got his um, American Standard Version of 1901 in front of him. And he could not help but call back to my mother and say, it's the same book. We, we have the words. And it was such a wonderful gift. We have the book. But we had other books too. Here's where you might get really shocked. Everybody thinks the way things are now is the way things have been. And uh, there's a guy named Craig Lamp. He's the guy that gave me these. And he wrote this particular book. He's the one that started the collection, which is now becoming a massive museum in um, Washington, D.C., of all the old Bibles. My wife and I have walked through this when it was in Colorado Springs. Massive, amazing. Uh, there's a multi-billionaire who is remaining anonymous who said, I don't care how much it cost, collect the oldest books, oldest writings you can find. And the head of Hobby Lobby is, is, is in there as well. So Craig Lamp did this, but he found out something. And all these thousands of Bibles he gathered before 1880, they had 80 books, not 66. The Bible used by Spurgeon, Moody, Finney, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitefield, John Wesley, John Newton, etc., contained 80 books. It was not limited to our 66 books until 1885 when the massive revision of the King James was carried out. King James has been revised over a dozen times. So when I have people say, King James only, I just smile. They don't, they don't know the history. Which revision? Because you're not reading King James of 1611. I know that language and that's not English anymore. That Shakespeare would have a hard time with some of it. In the British and Foreign Bible Society in 1885, they removed 12 books. Those are what we call the Apocrypha. If you read books on how we got our Bibles, you find these books get very short shrift. The, um, by the way, the Catholics kept them, and they still have them in their Bibles. If you buy a Catholic Bible, like a New American Bible, uh, or a New Jerusalem Bible that has the Apocrypha in it. I think everybody should have a good copy of the Apocrypha. They're good, important stories. None of them, by the way, were considered equal to, say, the Gospel of Mark. But they were 
considered important. I, when I was growing up, I asked preachers, why do we not have these books? And I was told this every single time, because there's not one quotation from any of those books in the New Testament. Therefore, the New Testament writers did not consider them authoritative. Now that I've grown up and done my own research, I find out that's completely untrue. There are hundreds of allusions to these books. These books were important to them, but I would agree they did not consider them scripture. They considered them mere Christianity. No wonder they call him the Savior. You get my point? Very important, common stories. Those books called the Apocrypha, where we find them first is in the Septuagint. Everybody remember the Septuagint? If you don't know the Septuagint, it was Paul's favorite version of the Old Testament. And all those books were in there, plus some other books. When the councils of men met to finalize the Bible in 406 AD in Northern Africa, they included all those books. Most churches did. Eastern Orthodox churches continued to use all of them. It's not until the time of the Puritans that the Apocrypha began to be questioned somewhat and blasted as a relic of the Catholic Church. Please remember, the Puritans and early Protestants called the Catholic Church the Whore of Babylon. So anything they liked must be evil. Tossing aside these books, they tossed them aside, I think, because most of these books talk about grace. And the Protestants didn't like that. When you think of the, the Mayflower pilgrims, you don't think of, they came here to establish grace. They're pretty tightly wound up, weren't they? They had guys with long poles with a knob on the end of it whose only job was to whack people that fell asleep during the all-day-long worship services. You know, I bet there's deacons out there that would love that job. <laughs> you know? Whack. No, it's family prayer time. His eyes are closed. Anyway, um, I have had people, and, and Craig Lamp talks about this as well, get so furious when they hear that those books were in the Bible and aren't now. And so they say, you must be lying. Go buy a Bible before 1885 and see how many books it has. It's, we're still working with our scripture. Um, by the way, not every early translator liked them. The earliest translator who didn't like the books of the Apocrypha was Jerome. And that was like 400 AD. He didn't like them then. He wanted them out. But the Roman Catholic Church, which he was a member of and he's a doctor of, said, no, leave them in. The Eastern Orthodox Church still uses them, uh, still always has. I'm trying to skip ahead because there's just so much material here. By the way, Jerome wanted to reject them because he said, I can't find any copies in Hebrew. I only find copies in Greek, therefore they must be late. Since Jerome's time, we have found copies of every single one of them in Hebrew. A lot of them in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So, by the way, we also find out something else. Have you ever been told there were 400 years of silence between Malachi and, and Mark? You heard that? No, there weren't. That's when these books were written. There were, there were 14 to 16 books written there. And why do, why do my numbers keep changing? You're going to find out. Let's, um, should we do that one yet? 
Okay. Okay. Moving along. Um, there's so much here, but I can save that for the other one. Um, here is how it all gets confusing. We don't even have the right names for the Bible's Bible books because we don't know the right names. Are you aware of this? We don't. Um, the writer of Genesis didn't call that Genesis. He he just started writing. Later on, people took the first few words of it which was in the beginning, and they put Genesis in the beginning. We put titles on, they didn't put titles on things. I don't put titles on letters, do you? We put a subject line, but that's about it. But if you're writing a proper letter, yeah, several of you sent me get well cards. I really appreciated that. Wasn't expecting it. I didn't know people did that anymore, but good for you. That was exciting. Um, you, none of you started it with, a letter of good wishes toward the minister currently. You didn't do any of that. You just did the minimum required and sent the card. You know, and, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so when we try to name the books, not everybody has the same names for them. Let's, um, let's talk about the first one. Remember I told you in E-Blast, did you read E-Blast? Do you guys read E-Blast? I don't know sometimes whether I'm wasting my time or not because uh, I only work Sundays, and I really hate that Thursday gig of writing that. Uh, anyway, some of you believe that. <laughs> um, all right, again, as I wrote it, I said, second Esdras, and why are we starting with second? And I said, it's complicated. Here's why it's complicated. As we're all trying to figure out what to do with this book, the Protestants are trying to put it together, trying to sort it out. Martin Luther wanted to kick out some of the books we have. Many Protestants and early Christians back in the first few hundred years tried to kick out the book of Revelation because they said, it's too hard to understand. It's weird. Isn't that, don't you, aren't you glad you know you're in good company? Then there were others like Luther who wanted to kick out James because James said, you're not saved by faith alone. And he felt that contradicted Romans. He called it an epistle of straw, threw the copy in, he had into the river. Later on, he would change his minds about that. But here, what about Second Esdras? I, I want you to be confused at the end of this. Ezra, Ezra was an amazing person. We know him from his short book in the Old Testament. But Jewish tradition says much more about him, and it's probably history, not just tradition. He was not only a priest and a reformer, he was a pioneer who gathered the books of the Old Testament and edited them. He re-edited a lot of our books. That's why we have the Old Testament in the way we, do, we have it today. He took places where took the, the stories where it had been forgotten and gathered manuscripts. He wrote, but the Jews refer to the books of Ezra. There are four of them. Two of them are in our Bibles. We call those books Ezra. Anybody want to guess what the other book is? Nehemiah. It is thought Ezra wrote Nehemiah, not Nehemiah. Um, but there are two others. By the way, 
the Jews don't call those two books. They call, they call them one book, but refer to them as books. Don't try, I, it gets this way, people. It's kind of like trying to explain British systems to Americans. You know, when you become a doctor in Britain, you're, you're, you don't have a doctor degree. You have a second bachelor. It's called a bachelor of medicine, but you're called doctor. If you go further and get a doctor degree and become a surgeon, you're called mister. I, I didn't make it up. Perhaps it was right of you to shoot us, but I'm just saying. If, uh, by the way, if we combined all the letters of Paul's to the Corinthians, we would have called those the book of or the books of. You're right? So they combined these two. In the Vulgate Bible, the Vulgate Bible is one of the earliest versions of the Bible that people could read in their language, the vulgar language. Common language means vulgar. In the Vulgate Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah are called first and second Esdras. Ezra, Esdras is the, um, the, um, the Greek version of the name Ezra. Actually, it's a Greco-Latin version, but let's not get picky. In the Vulgate, there are two more books called Esdras, and they're usually called third and fourth Esdras. Seems simple so far. However, these books are still in the Catholic Bibles, but today they're called first and second Esdras, because now they call Ezra and Nehemiah Ezra and Nehemiah, not first and second Esdras. You with me so far? Still have the same books. It gets more complicated. Here's the thing. First Esdras is actually third Esdras in the Latin Vulgate. They numbered them different. And it's really the same as the book of Ezra with four extra chapters. We find this a lot. Like Psalm 151. Don't look it up. You don't have it. But a lot of ancient manuscripts had Psalm 151. It wasn't always at the end, though. It moved around. Uh, you know that Paul wrote four letters that we know about to the, book, uh, to the Corinthians? We only have two. The two that we have are the second and the fourth letter, but what do we call them? First and second. By the way, that's our nomenclature. I am by no means trying to support a political candidate, but it, it just gets me the way the press doesn't understand every, anything, but acts like they know everything. When Trump said two Corinthians, that's the way you see it in Britain. His mother who taught him scripture was Scottish. Now, it could be he said it because he's ignorant. It could also be he said it that way because he learned it from the British. He was also a member, I don't think he goes there often, of a Presbyterian church with a Scottish pastor who would call it two Corinthians. But again, people don't like to bring that up. They like to go, ah, ha, ha. So, about everybody, not just him, but about all of them. Anyway, it goes further. Second Esdras, Jews did not treat it as scripture. They didn't pay it a lot of attention, but they loved it. They treasured it. They kept it. Uh, it's an apocalypse, very similar to Revelation. Apocalyptic literature was very popular in the early church, and so it remains today. People like, you don't even have to write it well. You can write horrible apocalyptic literature and people buy it. I give you as an example the Left Behind series. Oh my goodness. Amateurishly written, plot holes you could drive a truck through, scripture 
completely twisted and misused, and you saw Christians running around grabbing these. Ooh, end of the world. And there's a Jewish guy writing books now about when a red calf shows up and a red moon, and people are buying that and, and panicking about the end of the world. I'm going, it's still popular. We like the drama. How many of you have been told we're living in the end times? Just a few. Come on. You're Church of Christ people. You can raise these things. All right, most of you. You know why people think you're living in the last times? Because that's drama. And we like drama. We're living in the last times. Well, you're living in your last times. I have no interest in when the end of the world's going to be. Could not care less. I am interested in the end of me. I really am. And, 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 and I've, I've had people say, you know, if I could know how I'd die, I wouldn't want to know. I want to know. You know, so I'd not be there on the day, whatever. But I, it, it's kind of like the bumper sticker. You know, the Lord, Jesus is coming soon, look busy. It'd be nice to know. But apocalyptic literature. But here's another problem. We call it second Esdras, but Jerome called it fourth Esdras. Most of the Apocrypha calls it second Esdras, but scholars, when they refer to it in their writings, call it five Esdras. We don't even know a name for it. This is how confusing all of this gets, and I'm, I'm meaning to confuse you. We're not going to do that the rest of the time. Ish. We'll actually talk about the stories. Anyway. Uh, oh, by the way, the Roman Catholic and Jewish scholars call the first part of the book five Esdras, the back part of the book four Esdras, so five comes before four. But in the Slavonic Bible, it's three Esdras. So if anybody would like to go out in the parking lot and shoot yourself in the head, I get it. <laughs> by the way, um, fairly wide uh, tradition is that the first three chapters were written long after Jesus and claimed they were written by Ezra. Uh, but the meat of it probably was written by Ezra, chapters 3 through 14. There's bits in the front and bits in the back. A lot of these books remain. This was treasured so much, a lot of people had copies of it. It is still considered scripture by the Orthodox Church especially by the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and those in Africa. There are seven visions in the book. We're going to talk about the book now because we have seven minutes left. You can read it. It's a short book. Um, I gave you a link. If you, if you can't find it, look up the Apocrypha, find th uh, two Esdras, and read chapters 3 through 14. That seems to be the part that's really solid. It came from Ezra. Uh, it begins in Babylon, where Ezra asked God, why, why do you allow Israel to be mistreated and why evil exists? This is a book we should read, don't you think? So God sends his, his angel named Uriel, it's supposed to be an archangel in this book, to answer the question by saying that men just can't understand the ways of God. The end, of near, uh, end is near, and when it, when it comes, all things will be made known. We still sing that, do we not? We'll understand it all by and by. Right, there you go. Those of you that don't know new hymns, or the old hymns, just failed the test. Ezra tries to pray. This is really interesting. He tries to pray for the salvation of his people, but the angel tells him to stop. 
He says, they've chosen their destiny. I have, in my last 20, 30 years, realized how much of my prayer time I have wasted by, by really asking God to remove the free will of other people. Father, bring them to this understanding. Father, stop them from doing this. And in the book of Esdras, he said, God doesn't hear your prayer to change somebody else. You change you. You change the way you act. The archangel, by the way, makes some um, comments there that Peter refers to in 2 Peter about some people are brute beasts born only to be destroyed. We don't like that kind of thing, but it's in there. And the writer of 2 Peter, who wasn't Peter, just spoiler alert, um, Peter wrote 1 Peter, he didn't write 2 Peter. I don't know of any scholar on the planet that thinks they're the same person. Anyway, but the writer of that one quotes out of 2 Esdras. Um, by the way, you saw, we talked about Jude. He quotes out of two books, the book of Enoch and the Assumption of Moses. The, the writers in the New Testament use these books. But, again, it is revered. The visions continue more symbolically, and dare I say, more easy to understand and more beautiful than Revelation. So read it. It was important to them. The last vision tells Ezra his life's job. Ezra, your job is to restore the word of God, Scripture. And so he takes it upon himself then to gather the the stories and edit them. If you don't understand how that works, we'll talk more about this this fall and winter when we talk about how the Bible is written. The book of Kings comes from a bunch of books. So does the book of Chronicles. If you've read the books, you know this because it will say, this comes from the annals of the wars of the kings of Judah. This comes from the book of Jasser. This comes, they mention nearly a dozen books we don't have. Somebody got all those books and edited them into one story. But then later realized there were some aspects of the story that they wanted to tell a different way. So the Chronicles were written. Um, When we get to that point in our study, you'll find that they very often seem to contradict each other because they're trying to make different points. Don't panic. I get it. When I was a boy, I was told, basically, that all the men that wrote the Bible, only men who wrote the Bible, sat down and God basically said, write down what I tell you, word for word. Is that pretty much what you got? I even had sermons that said, just like Balaam's donkey, almost went King James, uh, donkey, did not choose his own phrasing, but God gave him the words. I'm going, you're comparing the writers to Balaam's donkey? Seems a bit. Anyway, no. A lot of people wrote a lot of things, and a lot of them got edited over the years, and Ezra was the main one. By the way, after you've read 3 through 14 of 2nd Esdras, you might want to read further, because two more chapters are at the end of that book. Once again, they're thought to have been tacked on by Christians, the first, three chap- first two chapters, and the last two chapters tacked on by Christians, because there's some anti-Jewish stuff in it. And it's unlikely that Ezra would put anti-Jewish stuff in it. 
But by that time, Christians and Jews were fighting each other enough that they were messing with each other's scripture. And so you have to factor that in. Um, I could talk about Ambrose of Milan and some other people. Here is, here's what's known to us. Second Esdras is still revered among many Jews and among many churches. The traditional requiem of the um, Roman Catholic Church quotes it, as do devotional prayers of the Orthodox churches. Again, the entire book is worth reading, but I really stress 3 through 14 is probably the Ezra portion that you might want to read. Uh, and it's beautiful. Now, we've gone to really the time to stop, but I want, I've thrown out enough stuff to confuse and the like. Do you have any questions or comments you'd like to add? Whatever you say, I'm going to have to repeat because this is being recorded. So, yes, brother. Beautiful, wonderful question, uh, and perfect for, for what we need to understand. He said the Gospel of Judas and some of the other books that were rejected, how did they get rejected? How did some accept them? You know, was there anything useful in them? The Gospel of Judas was actually found um, a few decades ago, but it wasn't really translated and put together right until uh, about 10 years ago. And then it made the news a couple of years ago. That's the way this usually works. No scholar... And this is being recorded. It goes out worldwide. It's listened to thousands of times during the week. No scholar believes Judas wrote the book. That's not the way they did things back then. They did not have rules about plagiarism. If I wanted to write a book in the style of Paul, I would say, I, Paul, write this book. Um, but nobody thinks, and it was also written way late probably about 250 to 350 years after Jesus is the only copy we've found. When you only have one manuscript, it is late, and it is obviously not written by the guy that says it was written by, and it contradicts the others. It is considered an outlier. Think of, for example, the gospel of uh, Jesus' wife. Did you see that one last year? That was big. They found a word, a little fragment, it's about this big. That's all they found. But in it, Jesus refers to his wife. And whoa! Um, Karen King, uh, who is, I'm not knocking her, by the way, one of the top scholars at Harvard in these things said, this is legitimate, this is old enough. It was just found out last week to be faked. You will not see those headlines. You'll see the headlines whenever they have something dramatic, but an oops, they won't do. So scholars look at it, and they also look at what was written to each other. And this, is, this comes to your point. If every New Testament disappeared, in fact, let me go. If every Bible, Old and New Testament, were to disappear today, we could construct all but about five verses from the letters of Christians to each other. But you cannot find a verse of the Gospel of Thomas. You cannot find a verse of the Gospel of Judas. 
because those were much later and not revered. And so that's very important. Um, Manuscripts of early Christian writings run over 30,000. So when you only have one, and it's way late, and it's obviously a fraud, we don't accept it. But if you have five or six and they're early, then we have to talk about it. Does that help? But there's another answer to your question. We haven't really decided yet. We are st- if you take a look at the Apocrypha in the Roman Catholic Church, it is different from that of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, which is different than that of the Greek Orthodox Church, which is different than that of, of Protestant Bibles that do include it, which are rare, frankly. But there's still the shuffling of what belongs where. Don't let this disturb you. And I'm going to say this as a close. Paul did not say to Timothy, the Bible's the Bible, read it, believe it, that settles it. He said, learn to handle this correctly. That's a big difference, isn't it? Handle aright the word of truth. Learn how to work this In fact, in the earliest versions, what it talked about, rightly divide the word. What belongs to you, what does not? What is literary, what is literal? What is fable and metaphor, what is history? Learn to rightly divide these books. All right? Yes? All right, we're actually going to talk a lot about that this fall, but it's an important question. If you need to leave, you can. Again, you can come down here, have a look at these. Um, How can you tell the parts of the Bible that are inspired? And here's where I'm going to sound like a politician. We have to then describe what the word inspired means, because there are several definitions of inspired, and I'm going to hold off on that because that takes too long right now. What I will say is this. Anything that points you to Jesus, take it. Anything the early church thought was important enough and talked of Jesus, go there. All right, I'll leave it at that. Next week, you know, read Esdras, 2nd Esdras, 3 through 14 in particular. And the week after that, we're going to tell a great story, story of Tobit. The book of Tobit you can read as well, T-O-B-I-T. You'll like it. It won't be like today. Go.